0: Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Today's episode of Zero Block 30 is brought to you by SeatGeek. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I found a shop for tickets. I could be anywhere and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats. I actually just used the SeatGeek app to buy the whole squad tickets to an Astros game that we're gonna go check out in early July. I cannot wait for that. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever before. They save you time, money, and energy by searching the t- every single ticket site to compare prices and finding amazing deals for you. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every single ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every single type of tickets, from sports to concerts to comedy and theater, and so much more. Best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that, all you have to do is download the SeatGeek app. into the promo code CHAPS today. A lot of you know that I like to do an FDR impression, but I'm actually not going to do that today. I want you to actually hear the words from the president as American troops were about to embark on D-Day. My fellow Americans, last night, when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew that moment that the troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another in a greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join in me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of the nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness in their hearts, steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard, for the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. Whenever I think of the words of FDR there, think about what people were doing back in America, because we know now that 150,000 people, 156,000 people were about to storm the beaches of Normandy and France in general. People were huddled around radios listening to what their sons were about to do, not having any contact for weeks because this has been going on since essentially April, right?
1: Right. Well, the the planning of it,
0: Right. The planning of it has been going on since April. So they're moving in position. Well, and i It I'm wasn't sorry. like now. It wasn't yeah. like now where you could move people fast. You had to get all these people on boats. Like the logistics behind this maneuver is so incredible. And people had no idea what was going on because you had to be incredibly secretive.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it. It wasn't just April. I mean, this was something that they knew for years that they needed to do. And it was a planning operation that, that was years in the making. Um and to, to hear Churchill go back and forth with, with Eisenhower on where, when they should do it, uh, it really is fascinating to try to get inside their minds and figure out what the best plan of action was. So it's certainly – it's not like today, like you said, Chaps, like even if you put together an operation order, you could probably pick up and move a, a large-scale operation pretty quickly. You're talking about multiple countries across a channel – plus the entire additional operation operation bodyguard that was set up to fool the Germans onto where they were going to land uh between uh normal excuse me Normandy and uh Pas de, Pas de, Calais, uh, Pas de Calais, excuse me uh, it, it's just unbelievable to try to wrap your brain around that that level of operation
2: and cons you did a whole timeline for this that's going out over our twitter at zero blog 30 and everything and that people can follow along if they want to scroll back and see why is this so important to you you did a lot of research on it i just think it's
1: fascinating when you just from a, a doctrine standpoint, when you consider the planning that would go into this large, large scale operation, I mean, the largest that the world has ever seen and then just the, the implications. Um, and, and certainly the three of us coming from a background uh, in the military, you know, I think about the the young platoon leaders and, and what they might've been thinking. And I'm reminded, obviously, so, so well-known major Dick Winners just not wanting to let his men down. I, I think about these young men on these Higgins boats halfway across the world, many of them away from home for the first time, away from their families, not knowing what they're about to embark on on the beach because you can get brief, but you're not really going to understand until it starts happening. I, I think about these, the paratroopers who fought for St. Mary Glees. I think about the Rangers who scaled point du Hoc, And I think about all these men in it gives me pause because ultimately, if not for them, and this is not hyperbole, if not for them, we are not sitting here today. And that is a fact. And I think that is something, the further we get away from this date now, 75 years, that is something that I think is lost on a lot of people, especially younger generations that we are not here today in enjoying the freedoms that we do if not for these
2: because they say that basically just so people understand d-day turned the tide in the war essentially the rome had fallen um everything like the nazis had just really and so this was right
1: i mean now we were forcing germany to fight a a two-front war and that was it was well known now we can look back on it; it was the beginning of the end
2: yeah
0: And it wasn't a fact that was lost on the people who are actually there. I think one of the most more fascinating aspects of the entire war was Dwight Eisenhower and how he not only had a beautiful charge to the troops that would get you motivated to know that you were about to change the world, but the fact that he also had a resignation letter in case it failed. I think that's a model of leadership that we don't really see a whole lot today because a leader now, you are willing to take the the glory, but we Mm -hmm. see so many different types of leaders now who push off failure and they want to blame it on this. So they wanted to blame it on that Eisenhower said that all the blame will fall on me in his resignation resignation letter, but that was actually dated June 5th. Like he thought that our yeah, July he, 5th he did, He dated it wrong because he had a lot of other shit going on in his head, but he was ready before it even started to take failure because they knew that this task was so difficult But they didn't fail ultimately, and Eisenhower's charge to the troops and the Allied forces is so brilliant. You've got to listen to it. (laughs) What Eisenhower said is remarkable. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. The tide has turned. The freemen of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will expect nothing less than full victory. Marching towards an enemy like the, the Nazis and having that attitude is the only attitude that you could have. You had to take it on full, fully, and they did it. Whenever you read about what actually happened, or even if you just watch it in Band of Brothers, it is truly, I think, the greatest American achievement that we won World War II on both fronts. Like mm-hmm. both fronts against two of the more sophisticated and brutal regimes that you could go against. And we beat them both at the same fucking time.
1: On their turf, no less. Yeah. Which- They ain't coming here, bitch. (laughs) But that's not to be taken lightly. And especially when you think about, you know, landing on these beaches of Normandy and, you know, each beach uh, posed a little bit of a more different challenge in overcoming that. Obviously, probably the hardest being Omaha, dealing with those, those cliffs. Um, But then to overcome that and then to march all the way through is really, really, truly impressive. And and Chaps, I just want to go back one thing and and, and say, I I just have to reiterate like what it says about President Eisenhower, General Eisenhower's character, that he wrote that in case of failure note first. One of his lines read, if any blame or fault attaches to the attempt, it is mine alone. So (laughs) to say that. That's basically saying if, if the world falls to Nazi Germany, it's my fault. Like, yeah. should you take a step back and think about that for a second? That, that he had the character and the intestinal fortitude to put that on his shoulders. It's unbelievable. I can't get over it. I can't say it enough.
0: Okay, this is a Sabre Matrix type of society now. We like to break down the stats. For people listening at home that might not have even opened up the Wikipedia page, kind of walk us through what people were dealing with here.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, it was supposed to go on June 5th, but because of poor weather, it fell apart. They needed to do it on June 6th. And the reason for the early start was because they wanted the whole rest of the summer once they landed, they needed that warm weather to go through and kick Nazi ass all across Europe. Uh, and it was originally, uh, so there's five separate landings across a stretch of 60 miles of Normandy coast, and it was the American, British, and Canadian troops. The invasion involved 5,000 ships across the English Channel, 800 planes dropping over 13,000 men via parachute, not just beach landing, and an additional 300 planes dropping bombs on German troops defending those beaches. By the end, because not so about 160,000 troops were coming in on the ships, more than 100,000 Allied troops made it to shore that day. Those who didn't in certain areas, the German defenses ha- had defenses even under the water in the shallow areas. They had some areas where they couldn't get the vehicles like to the shore. They had to turn around. There were certain areas where it just didn't work, but 100,000 troops, allied troops in one day. Uh, and think
0: and- about the 5,000 troops for us, or 5,000 ships. Think about the amount of gas that it costs to get there. Like,
2: logistics.
0: The logistics behind even setting this up is – it makes two-day shipping from Amazon Prime look like child's play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Indeed, and this, this was 75 years ago that they accomplished this unbelievable task. If you, mm-hmm. I couldn't back up my boat, Turk Crapply, into the water without having a meltdown. Getting 5,000 ships getting ready to go fight the Nazis is unreal and in and of itself.
1: As I mentioned, you know, they, they, they trained and trained for, for many months leading up to this operation – but they didn't know 100% certain how the terrain was going to react to their vehicles when they landed i mean they were doing recon it was france was the most uh reconnoitered beach in all the world for for months at a time and even when they got there they still it um excuse me encountered some difficulties so just and a lot of
2: men died just simply getting off the boats. I mean, <laughs> they had full gear on and, you know, they, it was just a, a, an over 4,000 allied troops lost their lives in the invasion on those beaches, 4,000.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, we can wax poetic about what actually happened, but hearing it from the sounds of people's voices, we found a clip that's a cut up of different gentlemen who were actually there on those beaches in France. Let's listen to them and hear it from them in their own words. I've seen coxswains coming back crying.
1: The beach was pretty uh, pretty loaded with dead guys, and uh, the water was uh, just red from blood. The beaches were red I mean you couldn't help but see that as you walked down along the beach it was red with blood and the, the fallen guys were there and they were moaning and what have you so you couldn't help but walk over them as we were doing our work and so it was it's a fate that you don't want to even talk about.
2: about the those that died I was there among them and why why I lived and, and they didn't I just don't understand I guess you don't realize anything until after you look around and see what's going on around you and there's nothing you can do it was uh, that was a uh, a terrible
1: experience for young, young people. Really, the American public couldn't possibly stomach what really happened. The wounded
0: and the dead was an awesome sight. <sighs> sad.
1: Just real sad. I, I come away with some sad memories of guys that I lost. They were great people.
0: I don't cry.
2: They were a great bunch of guys. They were real, real soldiers.
1: On Omaha Beach, uh, on the sixth June, about uh, three. 1,800 Americans were casualties, that's to say killed in action, wounded in action, and missing in action.
2: The American people as a whole really do not know what war is like. War, I'm going to use the word hell. We went through hell. Sometimes in your older years you you look back at things that happened to you and uh, and happen to other people, and you begin to realize how lucky you were that it wasn't your was time.
1: The real heroes, in my opinion, is not people like myself that's here, it's the people that's buried over there. They're the heroes.
0: Now, knowing gentlemen that are that age, this, that video was taken place in like 2002. So it's, been, it's pretty old, but they were still older folks at that time whenever that happened. It had mm-hmm. been years removed from the battle in Normandy and beyond. Think about people that you know that age, especially old white men that you know at that age. They do not cry in public, mm, no. right? That was a pervasive attitude in that time that men crying is weakness without question if you watch the video while posted in the blog every single one when they begin to speak about the scenes that they saw in Normandy could not hold it back because it was horrific we've gotten to a place in American society and society as a whole where we view this in some sort of gallantry and it's been romanticized this was not a romantic thing this was horrific. It is the, some of the worst battles and the biggest slaughters that the world has ever known. And we talk about them like it's constant bravery. It was sheer fear and living forward and knowing that courage is not the absence of fear, but moving forward – in spite of fear. And they did it and they did it day after day. And in many cases, weeks after weeks and months after months of going through horrific scene after horrific scene and coming back to be haunted. Some of these people that president Trump spoke in front of haunted for 75 years, based on the memories of the things that they saw.
2: I Mm want to say too, you said, you know, you see these specifically like these white men that don't cry, but I've been seeing um, a lot of stories about the African American. I feel like, D-Day gets very whitewashed. Oh, definitely.
0: I mean, military history in general. Yeah.
2: I've been seeing a lot of articles coming out that I think it's worth mentioning. There were thousands of African-Americans from Allied forces, specifically America, who landed on those beaches that day too. Um, uh, The African-American force in battle that day was the 320th Barrage Balloon Battalion. And it was their job to set up explosive rigged balloons to prevent German airplanes from attacking the Allies. And the... So one of the soldiers said, the tide brought us in, and that's when the 88s hit us. They were murder. Of our 26 Navy personnel, there was only one left. They raked wow. the whole top of the ship and killed all the crew. Then they started with the mortar shells. And then I couldn't help but reading when these men got home, they still couldn't sit on the, with the soldiers that they had been on the battlefield with. They still had to go to the back of the bus.
0: Yeah, Uh, to fight in that battle and then still to come home and deal with Jim Crow laws. And not just for a few months. It wasn't something that Jim Crow, like, look at what the African-American population did for us in World War II. It's time to move past that. It was decades after Mm -hmm. World War II ended that Jim Crow was finally abolished.
2: I just felt it was worth mentioning because everything I've seen online about About D Day, because there's been a lot over the last few days, has been nothing but, you know, yeah. And that
0: video specifically that we just posted or the audio was nothing but white men, but there was certainly, we don't win that battle without
2: thousands, everyone. I mean,
0: from the Navajo co talkers and all. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Oh, sorry.
2: Sorry. I, I also feel like it's been, you know, it's the 75th anniversary, but I feel like it's been huge in the news as well because. To be honest, I I feel like this is some of the last few years that we will have those soldiers here to tell those stories, and I think the news has done an excellent job of. There's been series where they're following these soldiers back. They're in their 90s now, and they're going back to the beaches of Normandy, and it's following those stories as they go back. One of the paratroopers that 94 years old, I think, just went over 97 and jumped out of a plane at Normandy, and just to see the stories of these men, how their lives have been since then, and to see them be able to go back has been incredibly powerful. But I think I think that's part of what makes this so special, this 75th anniversary, because I think we know that
0: And that's an absolute stunt. I mean, just going at 97 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I wish he would have called the dude who asked him, because if you've seen the video, if you haven't, there's a 97-year-old man, and he gets strapped into the chest of another paratrooper whenever they go, because obviously he probably can't land on his own. Well, the landing doesn't go as smooth as it should, and he kind of falls. They both fall whenever they hit the deck. Somebody comes rushing over and say, Are you okay, sir? I wish you would have said, Of course I'm okay, pussy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have just been an unbelievable moment, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine." Like don't, you, I think that there's times where you know you have that old man strength, like you talk about dad strength, where if something mm-hmm. happened, or mom strength, where if you need to lift a car, you can. You could be 195 and the moment that you, if you were a paratrooper and landed on Normandy, you are okay. Like no matter what happens at that point, you have this power that rises out of that sands and fills your body and you remember what you did. And even for a moment, it's like when Hawk Hogan would get slapped and then he would feel like he's down and then he gets filled up and he's about <laughs> to take on Andre the Giant and then he slams right. him over. You can do that at 97 years old when you oh. were a paratrooper landed on Normandy.
2: In the video, they say, sir, are you okay? He goes, yeah, Woo! He, <laughs>
0: he gives his, no fucks, a, and why he should
2: he? bursts off the ground, he gives a woo, yeah. so, and he has a huge I, smile on his face. So, I mean, I just Incredible.
1: I think it, it speaks to to the these types of men too, because Chaps, you mentioned it. You know, they landed, and then that wasn't it. Like D Day wasn't it, and and then it was they were charged with. Okay, now go continue inward towards uh, Germany and take down the Nazis. And there wasn't like a clear end in sight. They thought they might be done by Christmas. They thought they were going to be home by Christmas. That certainly didn't happen as they were there well into 1945. And just to give a little sense of comparison, you know, when we deploy these days, we have a somewhat of an idea of how long the deployment was going to be. And that's not to say that, you know, <laughs> the guys serving now, guys and gals serving now are any less tough, but just that, that mindset of being able to know like, okay, I got 12 months, I got 15 months, I got six months versus, all right, we landed and now we're just going to keep going. It just must have taken such a toll on all of them to just not know that they just had to continue to fight every day until
0: obviously they went home. And you probably had it in the back of your mind that I'm not going home. Like you yeah. probably had that after seeing oh, what yeah. you saw. And they talk, I mean, listen, whenever that clip again, when you talk about how red the ocean was because it was filled with blood. Once you see that, I think that all humanity erases from your mind and you think I'm not going home. This is where I will die.
2: <clears throat> right. Um, so- and one final note on that. I think another reason it's hard for us to imagine is because back then everything was only in, in black and white. And I've seen some amazing work. This girl, um, this woman, Marina Amaral, she has a website where she collects and colorizes photographs. And she did D Day this year, and the photos that she captured of the beaches and everything—it just gives you a whole new perspective. But MarinaAmaral.com, you can go on there and see these amazingly colorized. It looks like you're looking at photos. From and London the only here. words and that
0: you can describe these photos is haunting. They're haunting. haunting.
2: Yeah, it really gives you an idea that somehow is different than seeing it in black and white. So, so technology, too, giving us a better understanding of that day. But really impressive, very cool stuff coming out that we're learning that helps me understand it better, at least.
0: And we talked about it a little bit last time in closing notes on this subject. We talked about it a little bit last time. But if you happen to see somebody wearing a World War II hat, give them up. A- Give them a handshake. Tell them thank you because it might be the last time that you really get the chance. Because there will be the last time that you ever see somebody wearing one of those World War II hats. Don't
2: ah, stolen valor's pretty cool still. I think people. I don't think I don't no, think you steal
0: valor kidding. for World War II.
2: No, I'm totally kidding. You see a 22 year old with a World War with a Normandy hat on. If there's an you old you can fella. punch him in the face. I'll
0: can. I'll issue this warning right now. If there's an old fella out there who's like 78 and he's trying to steal a little World War II valor, I will body slam you at the fucking Blackwood I hospital.
1: will body slam that old bag of bones without...
0: You know, imagine seeing the video of me going viral on news for absolutely body slamming a 79-year-old man. Like, you're not old enough to have been in fucking Normandy, you bitch. Come here.
2: Turns out he just drinks a lot of shake, like health shakes and he just looks young.
0: He I just, put him in the camel clutch.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, think-
0: Stinger splashes ass by the pharmacy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to call one more thing to attention too. This is my final note. I guess you could say this is my saved round. But it was actually something that I saw. Not your save
0: round, by the way. What? It's not your save round.
2: Oh, okay, good. uh So <laughs> it's something that I saw you retweet today, chaps. But you had some thoughts. You you said these kinds of takes while Americans are still dying in Afghanistan, and the take was. Someone saying, 75 years ago, young Americans braved Nazi fire on beaches to liberate a continent and defend constitutional rights. Today, young Americans whine about people making mean jokes about them on YouTube and demand censorship. And you said, again, basically, fuck that, these kinds of takes while Americans are dying overseas. That you see a lot on days like this, too, where you're remembering a big event where somebody's like, well, like they use it to say millennials are pussies somehow, which right. doesn't honor those who are in D-Day in any way, shape or form. And it makes you look like, not you, but. I'll say it. Ben Shapiro looked like a whiny little bitch. I mean, and- it's not
0: just Shapiro. It's like a pervasive There's attitude. A whole- oh, whenever yeah. you talk about anything that has to do with world war two, they'll say, Oh, our generation isn't that way. Our generation isn't this way. It's just so unbelievably stupid. You know why we're not that way? Because they did it. We don't
1: have to, right, do we it. don't have to be.
0: If there to, ever is a cause that was created, like ISIS, for example, we would have thousands of men and women ready to stand on that wall and go, go after them, which we have for 18 fucking years. Let, 18 let, years here, we've done it
1: let, here. I think this, this, this point, I think should put this argument to rest. So many men in world war or so many men in world war two, when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor, they said they felt that sense of patriotism. They wanted to serve and they wanted to go fight. How many people do we talk to, just on this show, and go talk to anybody, how many people have joined the military in the last two decades? And you ask them, why was, what was the reason you joined the military? Nine eleven. It's the same thing. So, yeah, it was, it's not on the same scale as World War II, but it's the same thing. It's that sense of, sense of patriotism. It's just different circumstances.
0: There's it, no it, reason to desecrate an entire generation for being pussies or cowards whenever right. they've done the job. I mean, they've done the job. mm mm-hmm. Kyle Carpenter is just as hero, much of a hero as anybody on Normandy, in my opinion. Right. Like, yeah. just flat out, he is.
1: Just, just different yeah. circumstances.
0: All right, let's move into Save Round and Alibis, which today is brought to you by Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon is a bar of soap that is a little bit patriotic. That's a lot to ask, but it's just a bar of soap after all. It doesn't get out a little flag and wave it around like you would want to, but it is made by Americans for Americans. And Duke Cannon partners with active duty military to develop new ideas and review products. Anything that doesn't meet the high standards of the soldiers doesn't happen. Duke Cannon is committed to giving the men and women serving our country. That's why a portion of their proceeds directly support veteran causes. Can you imagine going into war and then walking out smelling like cedar? It would be
2: amazing. what a treat.
0: (laughs) They have a solid cologne that's a full uh, proof way to smell good on the go. It's a cologne bomb that's TSA friendly and doesn't make you smell like you're attacked by a mall perfume lady or like you're in a middle school locker room when you're using Duke Cannon's Big Ass Bar of Soap. It's premium hair goods that give you a news anchor thick hair or a beard shaving goods that helps you put your best face forward. Don't be surprised if you start humming the national anthem to get this, go to DukeCannon.com right now. And you'll get 15% off your first order with the promo code zero. That's Z E R O free shipping on over orders over 35. Z E R O is the promo code. Make sure you go get that save rounds, alibis cons. I
1: actually don't, I don't have anything whoa okay. well, i said i, I said i have said all that i i need to say about to this day
2: there you go you. um just if you want to see the footage that we took at nascar for the salute to service those videos are up on the main site and it's really interesting to see you know this last one that's coming out today um we're getting blown back by a helicopter we're watching them drop in on the thing like It's just kind of neat to see and give a little military perspective. We talked to the pilots who are doing a flyover and hearing what that's like kind of thing. So check those out on the site. Um, Chaps will probably blog that out. And that's really, I think that's really all I have.
0: Yep, I want to make one last mention to the ladies of World War II who were back at home taking care of the children, building the planes, building everything, putting everything together. A lot of the credit gets put towards the men of what was going on, but we've met people who were lady pilots in World War II as well, so we don't mean to desecrate them because we wouldn't have won World War II without the ladies at home.
1: The Germans knew that they were going to lose because they knew they couldn't compete with the amount of machinery that we had, with the amount of fuel that we had, the ammunition, the weapons, and that is all thanks to the people back at home who are doing all that work for us tireless, tirelessly. So without them, we don't win the war either.
2: I thought you were going to say, because our women were better looking too. And they that knew too. that our guys had something more to fight for. Fact.
0: Whenever you land on the beaches of Normandy and you look back and you're like, damn, Becky's titties be popping. Got to get home.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry hey.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness you, honestly
0: you brought me to that point that's your fault you should apologize to me and the listeners honestly you are to the listeners apology for being sexist
2: i don't apologize for american women being wonderful with titties popping i don't and i never will
0: i hope you never do sound there OK.